1: Welcome to another of the lost episodes of Early Work. If you're new here, Early Work is the show in which I invite a celebrity guest to share with me the creative writing of their youth, be it teenage song lyrics, adolescent poetry, short stories and scripts, all sorts of stuff. Occasionally it's erotica. Absolutely disgusting. People bring it on, I then judge it on three categories. I then read something of mine in return, they judge it in return, and we all have a lovely time and analyse our former selves and see if we showed any real potential. These are the Lost Episodes. They are the episodes I recorded in 2021 for a series that never came to be. Finally being released now. So they were in the sort of height of the pandemic. I think it was around lockdown three that we were doing these remotely. Today's guest is Tom O'Dell. He's in a very fancy shed, as is explained at the start of this podcast. And I'm in a less fancy shed chatting to him from across London. Very thrilled that Tom gave up his time to be on this podcast. It's a very interesting Very insightful episode Genuine music is played He has a piano And he plays us actual songs that he wrote when he was younger As well as sharing just some lyrics without the the melodies He actually plays us He plays us out on a genuinely beautiful song About a spider In the meantime, I'm still on tour uh, If you're looking for something to do Most of the tickets are sold out But there's still some available in places like Barnard Castle Uh, I'm not going to make the joke Also Hexham and Coventry You know, the big hitters so if you do want to come along to that, the show is called Spilt Milk, stand-up comedy show. But in the meantime, here is the early work of the incredible Tom O'Dell. Joining me this week on another episode of Early Work is the one and only Tom O'Dell. Tom, how are you? Very well. Thanks for having me on. Oh, welcome to the show. Now, if you don't know Tom, listeners, um, which of course you know Tom, but if you don't, he's probably best known. For when I read about him having a shed that he was working in at the bottom of the garden, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. I've got a shed that I've been working in at the bottom of the garden, and then I saw a picture of the outside of his shed, and it is a billion times better than my shed, <laughs> and I was furious. But Tom, do you tell me that you've moved from that shed now, so that even that wasn't good enough for you, was it? <laughs> it was. It
2: was. It was getting pretty cramped in there. Yeah. Um. I was mo- mostly because through lockdown, I've managed to teach myself to produce records, so. Now I needed to I needed something a little bit bigger where people come and visit and stuff
1: so the the studio I'm looking at you in now over Zoom is that in a building it's in a building now, yeah it's inside it a building. Not,
2: I literally moved out and my girlfriend moved in to the shed uh she's an artist, so she's she she destroyed the top floor of the house and now she's going to destroy the. the, the <laughs> oh, so you've
1: swapped. So you've have you swapped, we swapped. studios? Well, right. I've moved
2: out. I've moved out to uh, somewhere else, and she's moved in to 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 what was
1: where I did the, the, my album. Uh, so did you spend lockdown then writing, recording in that shed? Yeah, and, and and also, I
2: um well I gave up smoking seven months ago, eight months ago. But I used to just sit in there and smoke cigarettes. I mean, I, I, it's definitely going to kill me um, because there's no ventilation. <laughs> uh, so it's like, <laughs> I'd just sit there, smoke cigarettes and record. And Georgie, my girlfriend, would open the door and she'd be like, this is, this is disgusting. Like, just smoke would come, would spew out. That had been in there since 10 o'clock in the morning. Um,
1: but what a rock star. I mean, it does sound like the idea of opening a door and just like you can't even see anything it's just a thick fog and you're like passed out on the floor but you're clutching like a cd in your hand of this album you've just (laughs) pressed oh what a story (laughs) the last thing he ever did was press export
2: yeah yeah exactly yeah if only if if only it was that romantic uh
1: Um, now tom if i had to guess what you were like at school and i do because it's the first format point of the show uh what i would say is and this is what i've written in advance and this i say this most weeks to be honest but this is one of the hardest I've found to do this. So let's see. I've got, I've, got, I've covered a lot of bases here, but I've opened with shy, reserved, secretive. At a younger age, I can imagine you voluntarily locked in your room in the Bo Burnham sense of the phrase, possibly squirreling away some uh, creative stuff that you never told anyone about. Who's Bo Burnham again? Bo Burnham Burnham is an American comedian. He just did a special and it had a song in it called Locked in a Room, which is why that (laughs) phrase is in my head. Um, But he he was like, from a young age, would be locked in a room, squirreling away some creative stuff that I I think you probably never told anyone about, hopefully until today. uh, I can imagine you... Going down sort of YouTube rabbit holes for a long time, but you're my age, so this was pre YouTube. So it would have to be a YouTube equivalent, which for me was like Ebaum's world, or I guess like Napster, or like a GeoCities rabbit hole. I don't know if they exist, but something where you were just losing yourself in whatever the sort of 90s, early noughties internet. Things I mean, in fact, I think you wore your heart on your MSN screen name is what I've gone for. That's I reckon. Line. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like a lyric, doesn't it? I reckon it, the screen name was lyrics, um, broken heart emoticons. I could even see you signing in and out of MSN just to get the attention of someone who was logged in who you fancied so that they would start a conversation with you. Um, Very sad existence. <laughs> but this was just me, to be honest. Don't worry. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you drafted some homemade Valentines for people you loved. Um, and then d- didn't give them to them? I don't know, I've just got this idea of you being secretive and like doing stuff and not giving it. But then, I'm going to change tactic. here. As a younger teenager, I'm going to wager that you are pretty loyal to Quicksilver, Billabong and Rip Curl as your clothing brands. I can, see you, I can see you as a sort of like 14-year-old, shorts and a hoodie and a friendship bracelet on a summer evening in the park, having a disposable barbecue with four friends. Then... As you get older, I can see you in a sort of school common room at 17, uh, one leg crossed over the other in an armchair reading the paper um, and other people being like, because people didn't do that at 17, so people finding that shocking. Um, Possibly experimented with a bold fashion choice around this age, like a silk waistcoat or a cravat. Uh, And my final two predictions are I think you learn how to surf And I reckon your childhood email address was hosted on a very random server like AOL or Tiscali. Is any of this (laughs) correct? Where do I begin? (laughs) Uh, So let me start. So so so, what was your initial one? Was uh, the shy, shy... reserved, locked in a room?
2: Yeah, I don't think I was that actually. I don't think I was. I think I was. I think I was more. uh, What's what's the extroverted? Um, I think I was a little bit more. uh, I had more friends when I was particularly younger. Um, I used to enjoy playing football and tennis, and I was quite sporty actually when I was when I was younger. And um, but I did the the thing that you were correct about is I didn't tell people about my songwriting thing. Thankfully, I wasn't the guy that got the guitar out at the party <laughs> yeah. to sing Wonderwall. Um, or at least I do have maybe some vague recollections of doing it a couple of times, but. But um, I think I learned very quickly that that it didn't go as I maybe had
1: expected to. Also, it's such diminishing returns, isn't it? Like, the first time you do it, people might be impressed and excited. The next time, it's like, yeah, all right, mate. Yeah, there was a guy called Dan, actually, that used to do that,
2: um, who was in my class, and he used to do it. and, and, um,
1: And did he go for Wonderwall? Was it that cliche?
2: I think he went for the Goo Goo Dolls. (laughs) <laughs>
1: of course that was the era that was the era
2: <laughs> which is i was on tiktok the other day and i saw that song like trending again i was like jesus
1: christ everything and, comes back round. that's how old we are now you, know. you're you're 30 right you're yeah 30. i
2: 30 last year yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah i mean it's now at the time where the way young people dress i mean i'm literally sound like my mum now but the way that everyone's dressing the things people are listening to you're like yeah, well, we did this. I did this when I was eleven, <laughs> and then it, people are just like,
2: "Oh, yeah, whatever. Of course you did." Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's um, it's great. It's great. It, it, it's um, what was what was, the, what was the other thing? There was some weird. There was some weird accuracy that you got at some point, and it you literally described one evening. From your reaction,
1: it was the like quicksilver billabong rip Yeah, girl, that park barbecue, disposable barbecue with four friends. Disposable print. barbecue thing. Yeah, that that was like
2: I was even I saw an old friend last night, and she, I've known her since I was twelve, and we were literally talking about that. Like I remember, I remember we 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 went to um went to the park, and we caught the bus there, and we had a disposable, and I was wearing a brown hoodie, and I had a a, a you know a piece of string on my. Yes, um, a
1: friendship bracelet. Yeah, close enough,
2: mate. Honestly, that is so weird. <laughs> That's so weird. You got it so. Right. And I did get into surfing. Um, and what's quite funny is I got into surfing, but I got into surfing at East Wittering, which is near where I grew up. And you know the waves like we- rarely get over like a foot. <laughs> so and it's, it's freezing. Uh, so it's like not really like. I used to think I was. I used to think I was very cool. Um, drive down in my grandmother's Skoda. Which she lent me uh, with my surfboard.
1: Well, I just, uh, the surfing thing, this all bled into the same thing. So the surfing thing was based, primarily it was based on um, the hair that you used to have, which you now have cut. You don't have that hair anymore. But I was like, you're not having that hair and you've never been on a surfboard. Come on. So (laughs) that's what I based it on. And then I looked up, I was like, would it be surfing or would it be like lacrosse? And then I looked up where your school was and it wasn't, it was quite close to the sea.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, so
1: I was like, right, surfing. And then that led into, well, you're wearing Quicksilver, you know, you're wearing all this, you're in the yeah. park. Suddenly I'm imagining, I don't know if you ever saw, they did a, um, do you remember when the OC was massive? Yeah, I do, yeah. I mean, and- I, I forced myself to fucking watch that show. I used to. I, I, it was one of those things that I hated, but I watched because I, I thought that it was relevant to me. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, your life is represented when he stands up on a coffee cart and says, yeah. "I love you," just like we all did. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, how yeah. I felt as well. I mean, I, yeah. everyone was. Obs- did you watch it because everyone was obsessed with it? And it was yeah, like, that's what. I, yeah, it was yeah, like the was, school's version of water cooler moments, wasn't it? Where you got to yeah. come and talk about what Ryan and Marissa did last night.
2: Yeah, strange. I sort of like, I, I just, I just, my feeling about the OC was that I never liked it,
1: but I, but, but I spent a disproportionate amount of hours watching it for something that I didn't like. Well, um, they did a knock they did so they did the real OC, the reality version of the yeah. real Laguna Beach or whatever. And then they did a UK knockoff of it called Living on the Edge about Alderley Edge near Manchester. That was meant to be a version of Laguna Beach, but obviously it's nothing <laughs> like it at all. But it had that vibe of like teenagers who are really yeah. rich or whatever and then they're just like hanging out. Yeah. And they're, they they all dressed like this, like I was, yeah. ima- like I was picturing. I didn't picture you in the same lifestyle. It's just the outfits. I was just imagining that, and then they all surfed.
2: It was uh, one tree hill as well. That was another yeah, one.
1: Yeah, that was
2: huge. One and tree there was, hill. And there was, there was, there was others. Uh, uh, also, like, what was it? What was like the films? There was like, um, like American Pie. I rewatched was... it the other day. It was on TV the other day, and I but really It's dreadful, American right? Pie. It's, it's unacceptable. Ju- I, it's absolutely it's, it's unacceptable. Totally, I mean, I can't
1: believe those films haven't been cancelled. Like Yeah, I mean, a big part of it is about setting up a hidden camera. To, I know, to spy and live stream you having sex with someone. It's insane. Know.
2: It's, it's 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 gross and it shows how much the world has moved on. Yeah, um, and that was in, just in, fine. In, a, in a positive way. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um but, yeah, it's funny because you don't see that guy... Because I remember having this huge admiration when I was, like, 14 for Stifler, you know, and I remember thinking, like, God, he's so cool, isn't he? And then, like, I looked, I watched him in the film and I was like, God, what... Like, how, it's such bad male role models. I mean, no, no wonder <laughs> so
1: many men have problems. Maybe the OC was actually a, uh, a positive influence, given that they really mm. portray Seth and Ryan as these positive yeah, romantics.
2: Just, they were, like fucking wet wipes yeah yeah yeah. so there's no middle ground
1: you need some middle ground someone who can carry themselves but isn't a horrible sexist bully why can't we have (laughs) it's yeah it's just one or the other Um, i know the other thing i said was uh that you had you made a bold fashion choice at some age and went for it with like a waistcoat or a cravat is that is there any accuracy in that no i never did that no you play it safe no i don't i did i did get I'm a bit of a news junkie and
2: I have been since I was 17. And uh, I did used to read the papers, actually. And I did used to take a small amount of flack for it. Um, Yes. I did the
1: same. uh, Yeah, I used to like... Were you actually reading them or were you just holding them and pretending to No,
2: I did actually...
1: (laughs) I did actually like like reading them.
2: Um, And I did... I did... I did... That did... I feel like I used to think it was really educated and now I feel like the opposite reading the papers. It's like my sort of like dirty habit, like reading the papers, because it's just like there isn't really it's is it news anymore? Yeah, well, <laughs> like, that's <laughs> it, isn't it? So is I,
1: I, I did the same in sick form. I did a similar thing where they would they would put the papers out in this common room and like the economist and stuff like that yeah. like this week. And I'd read them and you'd read them going, well, now I guess I'll sit here and read this book of facts. And yeah. then you get a bit older. You go like go through a year of that or like you yeah. study anything and you go, "Oh, this is a book of lies. This is a <laughs> book of opinions. This is what am I doing?" Yeah. And then you when, at that age as well at 17, you're basically just like you're looking for someone to kind of gift you an opinion you can say yeah 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 and sound smart so i was just like reading them and then saying whatever this op-ed writer thought and then realizing oh my god i've got the views of a 49 year old man with a jaguar (laughs) 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 this is bizarre yeah it's so true Um, um did you have what was your email address when you were younger did you have a uh AOL or Tiscali or something like that or were you hotmail
2: I've got the same email I can't if I I was to tell you I'd I'd, I'd get many emails well we don't have many listeners so you would be fine (laughs) uh,
1: yeah fair enough I was gonna put in this guess that I thought I felt you might have had strict-ish parents only based on the glee with which you say the word "fucking" in "um another love," <laughs> and it's like you're going, uh, you're looking around all the time, going, "Can I, I? I can swear, right?" But um, I don't know. Maybe that was misjudged. Not at all, actually. My
2: parents were very, um, my parents were very, uh, they they're very encouraging of independence. They very non-strict. Let me, um let me get away well let me just get on with it actually i'm, I'm very grateful to them for that actually they really didn't they, they didn't impart any impi- opinion on me and they brought me up very liberally and uh and you know i think it's often a, like a misconception about me as well as i come from this sort of aristocratic family like 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 my parents like very middle class like you know i i got to go to a private school but not not you know because of any wealth like I went to private school so I got a music scholarship and um, and like I think the, not to get too deep but I think like the residing feeling of my like upbringing is that I went to this private school of which I was you know surrounded by kids that were that were uh, having a lot more affluent upbringings than my own and I think that always meant that I felt like a bit of an outsider um, which I think probably meant was the reason I do this job, is because I think that that is a predominant theme amongst people I've noticed um, who who do who who end up doing things like this. Like, you know, I didn't ever feel like I belonged there. You know, I always yeah. felt like a visitor. I always felt like, you know, I was, you know, I don't know. And and I think I feel like sort of it was interesting because I think if I'm being, I don't, I feel that is. It's, it's, in some ways, I think that's a positive thing actually to have as a, growing up is not is feeling like you're at an arm's length to some extent. Um, it allows you to observe things with a little more clarity, I think. And and also, I'm very grateful that I got to have the education I did. And and um, but one of the frustrating things is people always assume my childhood was like, like, like my guy I worked with the other day he was like, oh, I just assumed you, you know, you you grew up in
1: some like huge victorian house i'm like what i mean it's it's kind of weird to picture someone's childhood house anyway i think but yeah definitely uh, being an outsider is definitely conducive to um making art and going into a artistic and performing field so how did this manifest how did all of this manifest itself creatively you i know you said that you were um you were secretive about it or you didn't tell anyone about it maybe it wasn't secretive you just decided not to share it but so what were you doing were you doing anything other than songwriting or was it always just music creatively for you uh
2: yeah i think it was creatively i was always I, was, I got in i you start started playing the piano when i was um when i was seven in fact you know what i can give you one of these things that we're here to talk about now which really relates to that do you want that now yes please it's a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a piano report from when
1: i was 13 what is a piano report so from my piano lesson Oh, and you just uh, get, this is like the teacher saying the teacher giving a, a a
2: report, um, and so I was thirteen, and the teacher is called Edward Hawkins, who actually I'm vaguely in touch with today, uh, but it's a lovely, beautiful man. Like, did
1: you did you did you first name your teachers? No, it was Mr. Hawkins, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay, just nowadays you're going. Yeah, it for just says. Edward. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. Just, just, just fully naming him. Yeah, Because yeah. Uh, I can. Um, the um, so I'm in year eight at this point, and the comments are. I was quite flattering. This. I mean, it's, it rubs my ego off. It's like Tom has firmly established himself as one of the most gifted young musicians in the school. His understanding of chord theory is particularly excellent, fueled fueled as it is from a genuine love of playing and improvising. We are currently dividing time between jazz, pop and classical music. And it is my hope that we can develop his technical skills. So they are on par with his natural playing by ear. A pleasure to teach. Anyway, oh, mate.
1: look at that. Year there eight. There we go.
2: There we go. That's yeah, so I like the pianos. encouraging, isn't it? Yeah, so I was a bit obsessed with the piano from very, very young. And, um, well, from six or seven. And then I started writing melodies when I was like ten. And then, you know, I was doing it ever since then and I'd get home from school every night and um, we had a piano in the downstairs, one of the rooms next to the kitchen and I'd go in there for an hour and play the piano. And, you know, I did that all the way up until I left home. And um, it was actually only in recent years I've realised, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a sort of classic house in a cul-de-sac like the kind of one you would draw if you're not very good at drawing with a front door in the middle two windows either side two windows (laughs) upstairs it was like that you know like three bedrooms and um, and the piano was downstairs and I got the piano bought for me when I was 11 um, or 10 or 11 by my uh, by my grandparents before that I had a keyboard anyway um, but how loud it was you know because it was a modern house and it was like walls weren't that thick and it's just the whole house i had to listen to someone else playing it and you realize like from the you know all to my sister my poor sister had to put up with all this piano playing for two
1: hours every night and i uh, mean at least it's pianos though at least it was piano music not but you didn't get into the bagpipes it's true mm-hmm. it is true but it is loud i mean like yeah. and it, it was consistent um also, yeah, a bit, I, I love that you say that people thought that you lived in a castle growing up, and you actually lived in a child's drawing of a house. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it's so far removed
2: from everyone's imagination. I don't know if people actually think I grew up in a castle, but I just I'm just going off like the fucking cynical journalist that that who just said. Or, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's this sense of just, like, privilege. And I just... I never really, like, addressed it or addressed it. I'm just always a bit, like... I'm just... It's irrelevant, but I'm sort of like, how do you know how I fucking grew up? Like, yeah. like... Do you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> this this presumption of just, like... You have no idea what, 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 what it was like. And I find it sort of so... It's so... um I still feel angry about some of the wrath of sort of journalists i've received over the years i've just sort of like just like just the the amount of presumption that goes on is just is just monstrous you know um, yeah
1: and i mean yeah and it must have been hard to fit in piano as well like in between you know going out into your garden and tending to your horses and then counting your cash <laughs> but it's good that you did pursue <laughs> pursue something creatively you're um, trying to r-
2: write songs <laughs> in the back of the uh,
1: the Bentley. Was, was,
2: you have no idea how difficult
1: it is. It's amazing you're not a rapper, really, with all the stuff <laughs> you could have talked about. <laughs> no, um, yeah. But did you... So do you have um, any early melodies that you wrote? Do you remember them, any of them, or are they all out of your mind? Yeah, let me give you one.
2: So this was the first one I wrote when I was eight years old uh, or nine years old or something. It goes... Was... early ones
1: i, wow. I, I mean that's so and you were eight or nine
2: yeah and i i and i i remember running in to the living room where my parents were watching tv and i ran in and i said um you know i've written this melody like and and i and i remember them being genuinely um impressed you know like genuinely impressed and i think that 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 has always stuck with me that
1: feeling. I mean, of course they're impressed. I mean, I'm, I'm impressed now at 30 that you wrote that like... melody. It's amazing. Were you, who were you in love with? Or had you just heard that said in songs? You're eight or nine. Were you in love? No, I think I'd heard it said in songs. And so I really like the lyrical thing
2: didn't develop until much later. But my mum, I, cause I spoke to her last night because I was trying to gather some stuff for this, you know, for today. And she said to me, because I lived in New Zealand when I was four to five. Um, years old, and I, um, she said to me that 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 we used to go to, they used to go to friends' houses, and and she bought me this little plastic guitar thing. And I would go
1: around to all
2: of the the adults at the party and play for them and sing for them and ask them for money.
1: (laughs) Which is... (laughs) Wow. Especially given how rich they knew you were. Um, (laughs) They were going, how dare you? I saw what you arrived in. Yeah, that is so funny. I love that you so, like... At the age where it mattered, you weren't getting a guitar out around the campfire and being a dickhead. Yeah. But at at the age where it's still sweet and innocent, you were just busking at parties. Busking at parties, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, Did they give sec- you money?
2: I, you know what? I don't actually remember. But yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I, is, is, you know, it's strange that because I, th- I feel like as much as it's sort of like a little bit, you know, fucking over the top because it's like, but I do feel like those those early experiences you have as a child do they do stay with you in a, in a way that is very very deep i think because i think you you those mechanics of how you're communicating people how you're getting gratification from
1: people i think they oh think if you're yeah. early i suppose yeah if your are early praises i've written this melody and this song and then yeah. it's like oh they're really impressed yeah. then you're going to go it's your first like thing of being really impressed you go all oh, right i'll just do that mine was i did um I was Oliver in Oliver Twist yeah. and obviously you're 10 so they're going to be really nice and yeah. then from that it was like oh I need to stand I need to be on a stage I have to be yeah. on a stage then and do it and saying stuff because that's the only way people go that's oh all right so whereas there'll be people who are like would play a really good football match or whatever yeah. and everyone go oh brilliant and they go okay, I've got to be a footballer but um which makes it I mean how do you get into being an estate agent then Where you showed someone your room and. <laughs> <laughs> What was the first record that you bought? Do you remember that? No, I don't remember. No. Mine was um, Smurfs Christmas, mm. or it was Shanks and Bigfoot, Sweet Like Chocolate Boy. I know neither of those records. <laughs> you know you don't know Smurfs Christmas? Come on, man. How's that go? I mean, I don't know how it goes. I just remember the Smurfs banging on about Christmas. <laughs> I, the Smurfs.
2: I did like the Smurfs though. If they were they were great. I'd like to. Have you gone on YouTube and watched any of these sort of like things you watched when you were four and haven't seen since? <laughs> oh God, no. It's very bizarre. It's very trippy actually because you sort of like. I watched an episode of Winnie the Pooh the other day. And is everything all right, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> has it
1: been a has it been a weird year? <laughs> I mean,
2: it, it, it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, where do I begin? The um, the, it's what was strange about it is that it it felt unfamiliar because I hadn't watched it for 25 years but simultaneously very familiar and you almost remember the plot but like it's really so right. weird it's so strange how memory works Um I'm sort of like a bit fascinated by it Um particularly memories that you acquired when you were 4 or 5 it's like memory works very weirdly then as well
1: uh, you remember bizarre things insignificant things were you did you have were you triggered into remembering other than the plots any actual things by watching Winnie the Pooh? I mean, like they always do. Like it's it's the music and smell are the main things, aren't they? Supposedly for yeah, memory. smells,
2: smells a big one. Yeah, yeah. I I just I mean I I had a strange one where my grandfather after he died many years ago, and then I just he he had this sort of like notebook which I must have taken or something or got given it after he died and. It smelt of him. And like, what, 10 years later? How yeah. can somebody... Okay. It's bizarre. Um, and it, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, smell is is, is is interesting. I feel like I've really lost my... Uh, I, I must have got COVID at some point because I feel like I really lost a, 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 an, a, an element of my sense of smell this year. Well, that'll
1: be how you're able to smoke cigarettes all day in a shed with no ventilation. You'd have to lose your sense of smell to be able to go, this is fine.
2: Yeah, it's funny, because I'm one of those like classic ex-smokers now that fucking hates people smoking near them. In this restaurant last night, I was getting really annoyed. This, this young <laughs> kid with a mullet it <laughs> was just smoking a cigarette next to me, and I was like, ah oh, just like, kept sending him daggers.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> the, the good the old days.
2: Worse. The worst. I can't. Ex smokers. My dad's an ex smoker as well. So I smoked for 10 years and and he he used to get really annoyed at me smoking. Um, not just because of my health, but
1: because it made him jealous, I think. There was an element of envy in what you were saying about the kid with the mullet, I've got to say. Yeah. There was an element of staring daggers because you're thinking, oh, that could be me. Yeah, well, the, yeah could, I could grow my hair out. Exactly. Get yeah. Get the rip curl back and back in the old days. Uh, now you've got. A, uh, have you got a lyric book? Did you say you got a lyric book with you? I got a lyric book, which I I I
2: don't know what date this lyric book started because no, I stupidly didn't date it. But
1: I reckon I was fifteen. Um, and did you? W- are these? Were they mostly just lyrics, or did they all have melodies to them, or did you? They would. They would have. There would have been melodies. There did been you? Melodies. Did you write? Did you write melody first and then write lyrics to the melody, or did you ever just have ideas for lines and then you would do that first?
2: It was m- rarer I would write lyrics without melodies. It would right. usually be they would come at the same time. Um, but occasionally there'd be there'd, be, I, it'd be ideas, as you said. Um, I mean, they're fucking weird. My What I was writing about when I was 15
1: was... was Go on, let's, uh, we, let's hear some.
2: This is called Phoebe and the Gang. Warrior Jim counts 13 cheers. His teenage ones were his iconic years. He laughs out loud for Phoebe and the gang. Five more years until he can be hung, and Jimmy's mummy calls at seven o'clock. But Jimmy knows the time
1: because he's got a colt. He's got a gold Casio watch. <laughs> wow! What era is this set in? I mean, what is it? Five more years until he can be hung.
2: Yeah, it's just so random. Thinking back to that recollection, my eyes were down, in the French detention. I laugh out loud, but no one hears the slang. Maybe in a year they will hear the question, is Jimmy okay as he checks his stock? All I really think about is that gold Casio
1: watch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. When you first said it's called Phoebe and the Gang and like the first couple of lines, I was like, okay, maybe it's like some some Beatles inspiration here. And then the further it went on, I was like, well, I don't know. (laughs) I don't know what Beatles song this is.
2: I was very into uh, David Bowie, I think, at this age. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what, this is This goes with your Billabong man, Billabong, okay. billabong boy. This is called Ride. Uh, the waves are gentle, but we already know. They crash down. It's just no accident. The child knows. They crash down. And then we ride, and they let us get high. Oasis. This is awful. Oasis cited. Oh, it's our culture. It's our common culture good and it's just ours they already know hey let's l- let's lose track of time let's just ride
1: wow and especially imagining you were on waves that were sort of three inches high yeah exactly <laughs> let's just ride I mean
2: <laughs> it's just dreadful as you
1: paddle as you paddle back to the beach tail between your legs
2: what I do remember though about this book if I'm just giving myself a little bit is I don't feel like this was a particularly you know, positives of time for my songwriting. Uh, As I'm reading this, I'm, like, I feel like a sense of sort of like, I think I was struggling at this age. Like, I was, I don't know, like, I feel like, I feel like at like 13 when I first discovered songwriters, there was like a real glory age. And then at like 18, 19, 20, but in between I was, Really trying to work out what I was doing. This one's called Retired Rock Star. So it's, he's been wandering through his daily plans to find out what is missing. Nothing makes him feel so sad. Oh, it could be drugs. No, something makes him feel sad. Oh, it could be drugs. It could be rock and roll. It could be all those teen now. It could be all those teenage girls he longed for years ago. Yeah. Oh, this one was a good song. See yourself dressed in blue. I remember how this goes.
0: Wish for to talk about the equal lane. This is all a crowded game. These are the days we throw away. We are beautiful people, but we're beautifully fake about now.
1: What's that one? Ah, oh, amazing. Beautiful people, but beautifully fake. I mean, what. Do you know what year that would have been? Ish. 2014, 15,
2: nice. 14. No, sorry,
1: 2004. 2004. Yeah, so you're about 14. Yeah, it's 2014. I'm yeah, you're just touring the fucking world, mate. <laughs> 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 you, you had awards under your belt. Um, oh, I remember yeah. how this one goes. It's on several of my albums. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's, it's available on Spotify. Uh, yeah. Great. Uh, see yourself dressed in blue. Is that a metaphor? Don't know. I have no idea. That's the thing, isn't it? I find this with all this. Do you find you dig out all this stuff and you go, oh, what, is the, "What? What did I possibly mean by that?"
2: I've got a lot of these, and they're mostly filled with with rubbish, if I'm being honest with you.
1: Which is fine, and 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 you know,
2: like I think it's important to um to if there is any young fourteen year olds listening to, it's the it's the effort I think that is more important than the. The content or the action of actually doing it because i think you learn every time you you write something you learn or just doing it itself you know is is more important i think than you know everyone every, everyone has to start somewhere don't they and and um it's usually rubbish
1: unless you're billy eilish and or <laughs> yeah and, and then the first thing you do is just <laughs> that is frustrating isn't it when you see that because you think you know very rarely a song's going to be a first draft and you have to write bad songs to write good songs. Same with jokes, yeah. same with any kind of writing. You've got to write bad stuff to write good stuff. Yeah. And then Billie Eilish comes along and in her experimental era, she's the most successful recording artist of, of <laughs> Just, all time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: But, but then again, you know, what I would say is like, she has, her brother's older and her brother, she does write all her songs with her brother and he, you know, is like, a few years old he's what he's, he's he's like 22 or 23 or something isn't he but which is still young Yeah. But, but the point is is that it's not it's not just sort of like often there is someone helping who has probably made the mistakes themselves as well and
1: what I find is that when you're like 17 or, or younger, like this age, 14, 15, what you kind of need is for someone with a bit more experience, like that, to say, to, to give you the quality control that you don't have, and yeah. say, "Oh, actually, what you're doing is this, and it's or it's derivative in this way. If you just do this, if you just pursue this bit, etc." But when you're 14, no one actively, people don't do that because yeah. they're trying to encourage your own creativity and yeah. pursuit. But they could like cut five years out if people just said, "Here's what's good. Here's what's shit."
2: 100%. I mean, the, the 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 person that I was incredibly... I, I had a few sort of mentors I met when... I was very fortunate uh, throughout my formative years that there was a, a couple of key people I met that really encouraged me to keep going. But one of the most significant ones was this chap called Simon Skinner, um, who... Um, joined my school when i was 16 and set up a music technology department and when i was 16 i was very shy and very uh i really didn't tell anyone about what i was doing and kept it under real sort of close wraps and and almost the point of secrecy i'd say and um i think that he i was in a practice room at school playing the piano and he walked past and he must have stood outside and listened and he really uh he said to come and see him every week and i did that and he um would sit and listen to my songs and encourage me to write more and i have a lot to owe to him actually because i wonder if i hadn't have met him whether i would have um, you know, I I really do wonder if I I I would have done it, uh, or would I would have been able to have the confidence to do it. He funnily enough, t- t- coincidentally, um, had the exact same experience with Chris Martin ten years earlier, in what? a different in, in a different school. set, up,
1: he set <laughs> What this guy? This is like what a superhero comes in, sets up a music department, and then makes stars out of one person at the school yeah so so
2: he 10 years earlier he uh had i think almost the exact same experience met chris martin when he was 15 like mentored him for three or four years and then chris went off and formed Coldplay, and then he came to my school and 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 did the same thing with me and 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 you know i i i i don't know i have a lot i i i i need to i need to speak to him actually i feel very like i have a lot to thank him for um and i've met chris martin at a, a restaurant a few well quite a few years ago now and um i was talking to him and we both established our connection through simon and um yeah, it's interesting, like, I don't know, it's like, he's definitely got something to him, I think the interesting thing to me is that so, so many, actually, where I make mistakes with, like, for example, actually, today, I'm meeting a friend's, after this, I'm meeting a friend's, uh, a close friend of mine has got a niece who wants to get into songwriting, and, you know, quite often, like, will have these sort of situations where I meet someone, and, and they ask for advice, and, and I feel like I'm rubbish at giving advice and I'm rubbish at telling people like what to do. And I think what's interesting if I think back to what Simon did, Mr. Skinner did, is that he didn't, he just listened mostly. You know, like, mm. that, that's the interesting thing. He, he, he just listened and encouraged and didn't, I think so many things in life are, can only be discovered on, on your own. You know, like, it's not about just being, it's not about just handing a piece of knowledge down. It's just about encouraging something to grow and to blossom. And and I think, you know, that's where he was incredible, you know. And um, the reason I sound quite melancholic about it is because I, you know, I feel like maybe I haven't been able to... The relationship is unique in the sense that it was a teacher as so i moved on yeah so, of course, Yeah. do you know yeah. what i mean and i feel like that that there were limitations to that that i think he it was you know but he's he what he has done uh, all my all my records i've made so far i've always made piano books for so you know like that people can have on their pianos and learn and he's always notated all the albums and that's been really nice
1: oh wow yeah that's an that I mean yeah that's a nice little nod. Yeah. A nice reference to it. I also love that you say you're, so you're meeting someone's niece who wants to get into songwriting. So that means so your friend obviously said, "Oh, I've got a niece who wants to get into songwriting. Could you have a chat?" I've had similar things where genuinely people go, "Oh, I've got this, you know, my mate or my little brother wants to get into comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Could you give him James Acaster's number?" is what I have. <laughs> Never do they go, "Reese, will you have a little chat to my brother because he's trying to be a comedian?" They'll go, "You know Ed Gamble, don't you? Can you do you mind uh <laughs> setting up a meeting? Absolutely infuriating. How dare you? Or like people go friends of mine go, Oh, I'm gonna get some comedy some tickets to a comedy show for my dad for Christmas or something. Yeah. And then they go, What 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 would be good? I go, Are you oh fucking my kidding god. Me? <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? You want me to just what? You want me to give you the link to the comedy store, do, do you? Just obviously come to my show. What is wrong with you? Um I like thanks. I like it. I, I have similar
2: things when it's like like occasionally, you know, you meet some you know. Second cousin or something. Like the first thing they ask is like, "Have you ever met Ed Sheeran?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Is it, yeah, I, be, I was going to say, who's the
1: equivalent of the of the do you know James Acaster? Is it Ed Sheeran? Is that yeah, the one I, that everyone wants to know? I think so, probably. Throughout
2: the years, yeah, it's definitely definitely being the one that I don't. Or the or or the funny one is like always like, "What's it like being on top of the pops?" And you're like, <laughs> "What?" <laughs> like.
0: <laughs>
1: Right. It comes to the time now, Tom, where I have to score the work I've heard you do on three categories out of five each. And the categories are um, originality, uh, pure teen horniness and the (laughs) Mickey Mouse Club uh, slash Ryan Gosling, Ryan Goose score, which is sort of how close is it to your work now? How much potential does it show for the star that we now know you to be? Um, So first up, originality. Now, we did talk about some of the influences in those things you read. You know, I totally heard Coldplay even before you said Coldplay in that song. And, I mean, you were eight, to be fair. And uh, I heard, <laughs> I mean, that would be insane if you wrote the most original song of all time at eight with no influences. Yeah. And then Phoebe and the gang. I mean, there's a yeah, maybe there's some Bowie elements in there. But, you know, I liked how bit you were true to what I thought you would be, like, in your soul and your core, which is a billabong boy. And you, you really billabong boyed it. And you were truly yourself in that. Uh, in the song ride. So, um, and see, see yourself dressed in blue. Both of us don't know what that means. So that's got to be pretty original. So I'm going to yeah. go for a three out of five for originality. Um, right. pure teen horniness. I got to say, mate, I didn't find any of it particularly horny. <laughs> I don't know if you were intending horniness, but it didn't come across. There's one. Line, I said, there's, I, stifler. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so, so you're obsessed with Stifler. You, I did not see Stifler in the work. I've got to say, I mean, you, you bang on about a Casio watch for quite a long time. I mean, where's the horniness in that? So I what you're doing for... with a Casio watch is yeah. the significant. <laughs> well, then, yeah, where are you putting that watch? Maybe that's why you can't stop thinking about the Casio watch in the yeah, last line exactly. of that thing. I can't stop thinking about where he put that. Um, <laughs> retired rock star, you did have a line about teenage girls, about all the teenage girls that he loved or whatever. So, on that yeah. basis alone, I will give it a one out of five it's for the, very low score going, coming in here i don't uh, think people people don't often want it to be a five out of five for pure teen horniness so i think no like, 10 is kind of the ideal score in this one because you want <laughs> five out of five originality five out of five for potential unless you think the thing is bad and then people don't want potential either i mean it's not bad <laughs> to score low in this show um how much potential does it show for like ryan gosling ryan goose score i would say you know for the, for the song you wrote at eight to be i'm in love with you uh I, th- I mean it, it's, it is sort of Your first album especially Was pretty heartbreaky uh, yeah. And if you're at eight Saying I'm in love with you It does feel relevant Same with like um, The one about See see yourself Dressed in blue Beautiful people Beautifully fake It feels a bit like You know Stuff I've heard you say More recently Not those yeah. words I mean Certainly a more mature way Of saying things But I know Your, your yeah. song Money in particular Sort of like Touches on this world um yep. a little bit more yeah i don't really see phoebe and the gang in any of it and <laughs> i don't you are not you're not singing about surfing anymore so there's certainly there's certainly a mix but i'll go for three again out of five right, for right. uh mickey mouse club score which gives you a score of seven out of 15 which is you know pretty respectable mid table yeah that's good you'll take it yeah i'll take it yeah. Fair enough, okay, fair. and now it comes to the time where I will read you something of mine, which you will then score on the same categories. Now I am gonna read you something that I wrote when I was a lot older than uh, you were when you wrote these things. And it's because I saw an interview with you in which you were talking about how in the past you felt that your life had to be bad or you had to be feeling sad or heartbroken to be able to write good songs, which you, I think you said you don't feel like that anymore. But I had the same right. thing for a while, not with songs. But I wrote a thing for, this was a pitch for Sky Arts, where I was trying to write a show when I was about 21, 22, where all the dialogue rhymed. Um, right. So the dialogue was, a, so it was like a drama sort of slash sitcom, but all the dialogue rhymed. And it was about a guy called Brandon James, <laughs> who was a floundering writer he you know he always did okay like everything he published he got told he had potential and then one night he was like really heartbroken so he wrote some blog post or something and woke up and it was hugely viral and then he has to start seeking out like his life starts going really well so he has to start sabotaging his own life because he can't write good stuff unless his life's a mess so every time he's something good starts happening he f- on purpose fucks it up um it's good so so that he, but then it's like a weird you know but then you get more successful and then you have to fuck that up and it was—it right. didn't really make sense but there's just a scene I just wrote this scene with a bit of dialogue where he, he gives some work to some guy who then uh, like his agent or whatever who's then trying to explain to him this is the moment he's trying to explain to him your life needs to be shit and this is the sort of realisation moment and this is like dialogue that rhymes it's two voices it will hopefully be clear what it's doing so I'll do it right, here we go you ready? When you're at your lowest ebb, your pencil writes with the finest lead. What are you talking about? I write with pen. In fact, I just type. It's not 1910. No, it's a metaphor. Your writing is best when your life is a mess. You thrive in distress and rightful regret. The height of your success comes from one night of pure depression. So this is my lesson. Embrace it. Chase it. Pursue it and use it. Or stop. Pick your priority and stick to it honestly. This life is all about love no matter how we try to distract ourselves that fact won't budge but unfortunately for you it's one or the other red carpet hunger or a red-hearted lover and god knows i won't hold it against you from human to human just do what you're meant to and eventually if it's meant to be the rest just won't matter
2: (laughs) that's great
1: (laughs) it's fucking random but great it's mad (laughs) this life is imagine like it's meant to be a conversation imagine if anyone said anything like that to you in a conversation even if it didn't rhyme this life is about love. what
2: was the drive behind rhyming it
1: uh I, I the whole reason i was i was sort of asked to do it i used to do some poetry things on stage and then someone said why don't you write a thing that all rhymes so it just came from a, a right. producer saying why don't you just write something that rhymes and then i think i did send this a big document with all this sort of stuff in it to him and i don't think he got back to me <laughs> oh no that's so sad <laughs> the um the, the,
2: the, I if i think back to the amount of times when i was like trying to get my career going where for like four years I mean actually it's a relatively short time to compare to most, you know, a lot of people but like you know I think about this one time I made this demo CD I found this guy that ran this bar in Brighton and uh he walked out of the bar and it was like the place to play in Brighton you know to like 20 people but it was like the place to play if you get a gig there and he took the CD he was like oh thanks mate yeah I've listened to it and then walked down the street and then pull it in the bin. Oh my
1: god! Oh and like, my god! And,
2: and like I will never forget. And what's interesting about it is just like the rejection of that. Not to sound like like some sort of Hollywood story, but it's like it really did drive me on because I was like I was just like I was just like fuck you like like I just yep. felt so like I'm gonna prove you wrong and. um I don't know why I have sort of shamelessly and narcissistically brought it back to myself. Which,
1: no, and then you yeah. then you then you famously you went and wrote the song Fuck You by Amos, <laughs> didn't you? And that's what inspired. <laughs> you saw that guy Fuck You. What's, um, what's, what's, what's was Desi- Cee- there Green. was
2: Green. There was some Shakespeare uh, uh I heard in um your your monologue uh of which um yeah, because that's that it reminds me of Shakespeare because he sort of wrote in rhyme. I didn't mean he? that
1: that is far too high a compliment to say this reminds me of shakespeare no one has ever said that about no but the sort, of, before. the sort of the fa- content
2: yeah. it was sort of like uh sort of deeper than normal conversation you know and it rhymed yeah like, do you know what i mean unrealistic. it was like yeah, yeah
1: unrealistic yeah.
2: uh sort of you know I I I liked it. So what it's am I going to do? Not,
1: it's certainly not iambic pentameter. It's all over the place on the page. But what you've got to do is score it on the same three categories. So first of all, originality out of five. I think definitely like
2: four, four for that. I'd say originality.
1: It's yeah. And bear th- in mind this was pre-Hamilton as well. This is pre-pre a whole show that rhymes that I hadn't <laughs> seen that yet. Yeah,
2: I think it's definitely. I think four. Yeah, I mean, I've also like the content, the the idea. Like, the actual thing you're talking about is, like, very specific and and original.
1: Thank you very much. How about uh, pure teen horniness? None. Yeah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> nothing in, there's nothing in there, is there? Zero. Well, there's the phrase red-hearted lover, but, right. uh, which is a bit probably Shakespearean, isn't it? Which, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all, everyone, everyone's heart is red. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I'm even getting at. But, yeah, that's the closest thing red carpet What's hunger the... or red hearted lover is basically a choice between do you want to be successful and famous or do you want to be in a happy relationship you yeah, can't have yeah, both. yeah <laughs> um an idea that no one has ever done before the most original <laughs> premise uh and then fine so i'll take a zero i'll take a zero for horniness yeah um and then finally it's mickey mouse club ryan gosling ryan goose School. how close is it to my work now i mean how <laughs> well <laughs> how similar is it to the vibe
2: I've not seen your stand-up show, so I don't. I don't know if it's full of of, of uh, rhyming couplets and and sort of slightly sort of like pseudo Shakespearean comedy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that I sounds pres- like a laugh, doesn't it? <laughs> I presume seeing that yeah. you you are a success, that it perhaps isn't. <laughs> uh, uh, so I'd say, but I think in terms of like you know potential showing your talent showing your uh, versatility and uh, ta- you know just pure way of words. I
1: think it offers a lot. So I'd say had three. I'll take a three, okay. Well, look, very cleverly what you've done is you've given me a seven out of 15 and made this a very friendly draw. Beautiful. Isn't that, that's what it's all about. Isn't that what it's all perfect? about? Seven, seven. Um, and you know, that means there's no winners. Uh, on this episode but the whole point of this show anyway is that we are both losers that's the whole point of reading our early work so now it comes to the time of the show where all that's left to do is for you to play us out with one last piece with Great. one last thing of your choice um, let me do that <sighs> give it the performance that your younger self might have wanted
2: let me uh, set myself up here um, so here we go so I wrote this when I was about 15 and it was inspired by the spider that lived in my uh, in the corner of my window (laughs) uh
0: stop until you've loved someone, never stop.
1: So on. Oh my god. It's so good. I mean, absolutely beautiful. Thanks that is so, so oh 15 years old. And you yes. wrote that, and I read you something from when I was 21. And it was significantly worse. That was so not I mean, that is a beautiful song, and it's probably the second song I've heard about a spider, and it's very different to Slipknot Spiders. It's very different energy. Um but oh beautiful. Spin its web a little wider. I really Love the line where you said girl more winning lose yourself oh yes. Look, yes. At that. look at someone that someone has figured it out at 15 <laughs> but I'm, i would say one thing i would say is that i don't know why we have to die is a very sort of 15 year old idea
2: well i think discovering immortality for the first time was exactly
1: sort of... and th- through through yeah. a spider
2: yeah i don't know i yeah I, I definitely obsessed with death around that point yeah um and i think a lot of you know a lot of lot of lot of kids are when you sort of suddenly realize that <laughs> you're not
1: going to live forever it's quite a disturbing thought to, well, the first time you it, and you realizing that as you look at a spider on your windowsill I mean, what an image what an image yeah. of 15 year old tom o'dell yeah sort strange little creature i think absolutely beautiful Uh, thank you so much thanks for joining us on Early Work thank you very much thanks for having me there it was Tom O'Dell how beautiful was that man unbelievable what a song that is what a lovely guy to chat to as well we'd never met before never spoken before it was all hooked up by Radio X with thanks to Neil Fern who uh, did the lion's share of the edit on this the main old edit and then I did a little couple of tweaks in GarageBand Um, Go and check out Tom. I think uh, he was doing some promo for a new album at the time. Um, This obviously hasn't yielded that promo because it's two years later. But still, it was a beautiful album, so I recommend checking it out. There you go. Promo done. I hope that Spider track comes out on a deluxe version because I genuinely absolutely love that song. Thanks again for listening. Maybe if we climb up those sweet old charts, I'll book some more award-winning... Brilliant musicians on the podcast instead of these dumb comedians. Anyway, next week's guest is Sophie Juka. <laughs> See you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather
2: bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands.